Full Scope, Human Longevity and Performance Podcast. We want you to become the most exceptional, high-performing version of yourself. And to facilitate this, we are giving away the Longevity Fundamentals Handbook absolutely free. This is a tremendous resource that will tell you the lifestyle behaviors and mindset that will lead to the best outcomes and longevity. To get this, go to our website, wondermedicine.com or fullscope.org, put in your email, and we will send you this amazing resource, the Longevity Fundamentals Handbook. Creatine is a small, nitrogenous, organic molecule found in the human body, mostly in skeletal muscle, brain, and other muscle tissue. You've probably heard of this before in the setting of weightlifting, strength training, athletics. Creatine has become a very popular dietary supplement, and today on Full Scope, I want to talk about why. Today we're going to talk about creatine, what creatine does for the body and for muscles and for energy production. We're going to talk about how it is made and how we get it. We're going to talk about how it's linked to kidney function. And then we're going to talk about what it's good for, what types of things it can help. We're going to talk about how to supplement it. And we're going to talk about any potential side effects that people might get when supplementing or using creatine. I think this will be a really great episode. There's been a lot of research lately on creatine, not just for skeletal muscle, but also for things like brain health, cardiac function, and other areas of health. And since all of us are losing muscle, and I should say all of us over 30 are losing 3 to 8% of muscle mass per decade of life. This is a topic that could be very relevant for just about all of us. Saddle up, this is Full Scope. So what is creatine? As stated, creatine is a small, nitrogenous, organic molecule. It has the chemical formula C4H9N3O2. It's got three amino groups, one tertiary amine and two primary amines, and a carboxylic acid group. It's very similar in structure to amino acids, and actually it is, it is built in the body um, by putting together parts of three different amino acids. And those three things are arginine, glycine, and methionine. It's made mostly in the liver and kidneys, but then it's sent out and mostly stored in skeletal muscle. We find the highest amounts of it in skeletal muscle and other other muscles like cardiac muscle, but it's also present in the brain and other organs. This is a really cool little molecule because it's involved in energy metabolism. Essentially, there's an enzyme called creatine kinase. And remember in biology, kinases put phosphates on things. They attach phosphate groups to things. And what happens is you can take creatine and use using creatine kinase, the enzyme, you can combine that with a phosphate to form phosphocreatine. That phosphocreatine 
can then be used in times of energetic need to recharge the master energy molecule of our bodies, ATP. So in simple terms, what can happen is you're using your muscles, they are burning ATP in order to produce the work needed to do the lifting or the work that you're using your muscles for, and those muscles may start to get low on ATP. And what can happen is phosphocreatine can then donate a phosphate group to ADP and recycle it or recharge it to ATP. And that can be a really nice way to get some extra energy for our bodies. Please keep in mind that this doesn't just happen in skeletal muscle. It happens in the brains, the nerves, uh, the heart, and, and multiple other systems within our body. Now, in conventional teaching, it's thought that about half of the creatine in our bodies is made, uh, meaning built in the liver and kidneys from those three amino acids we mentioned, and the other half comes from our diet. The foods that are most that are the highest in creatine tend to be meat and seafood, and, and red meat and certain types of, of fish uh, tend to be really, really high, cold water fish especially, high in creatine. You can also get it from some other sources. Um, I know dairy has some, eggs have some. And for those people who are vegan, um, it can be more challenging to find sources of creatine. Oftentimes it's recommended to eat foods that are high in those three amino acid precursors, arginine, glycine, and methionine. Things like nuts and seeds might be helpful in that instance. So we make it in the body, we eat it in our diet, but then a lot of people will also take creatine as a supplement. There are different forms of creatine that people supplement. The most common is creatine monohydrate, but there are others. Um, another fairly common one is creatine ethyl ester. Okay, so in 1832, creatine was first discovered in muscle tissue. And for over 100 years now, we've known that supplementing creatine can increase the content of phosphocreatine in skeletal muscle. But it's only been in about the past 30 years or so that we have really seen a prolific rise in creatine supplementation. I know in the 1990s there were some really noteworthy athletes um, that, that won some Olympic gold medals that were, were known to be using this. And since then it's just become increasingly po popular. Um, I was in high school in the early 2000s, a uh, pretty competitive basketball player, and even at that time um, was seeing a lot of creatine use uh, in the sport and in other sports. And so it's around, it's been around, and it's getting more popular than ever. There's actually quite a bit of new research coming out regarding creatine as a, as a potential um, aid for memory, as a potential to help other functions outside of skeletal muscle. And I think that's really cool, and that may really expand the use case for creatine. And so let's break into right now some of the things that creatine may help with. Um, the first thing, of course, is skeletal muscle mass, strength, and performance. Creatine will definitely put mass and strength on people. In really good studies, it's been shown to improve strength by about 10 to 15% if used regularly. Um, with that strength generally comes some bulk. 
Um, one thing that you hear when, when you talk to people, people about supplementing creatine is drink plenty of water. And you will definitely see muscles um, pump up a little bit and fill up a little bit with water uh, after starting supplementation. In fact, one side effect can be a little bit of weight gain. Now, usually that's lean, lean mass weight gain, but something to, to be aware of. But the research in the benefit for skeletal muscle strength and performance is, is really well established, and that's probably the main reason people are using it. The next thing to mention is bone health and density. There have been some studies that have shown that it increases bone health, and this could be a huge deal because fractures in the elderly are an absolute um, an absolute disaster uh, with with mortality, meaning meaning people dying after a major bone fracture being as high as fifty percent in some older populations. The next thing is brain function. Like we said, this is one of the newer things, but but creatine may improve cognitive function, memory, and even things like mental health. So depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues may benefit from creatine supplementation. Another thing is recovery from concussion and traumatic brain injury. One of the hallmarks of creatine is that it seems to be really important in times of stress and low resources. And, and after a concussion, a traumatic brain injury, injury, the brain is really struggling to get the energy and nutrients it needs to recover. And so that that's probably why, or at least a plausible mechanism for why creatine may be hap, uh, helpful in those with concussion and TBI. It's also been looked at for improving neurodegenerative disorders, things like ALS, um, and then, then other conditions like muscular dystrophies. And the muscular dystrophies make, make a ton of sense, obviously, um, if you know about the physiology regarding those. And I think that's really cool and something I need to think about um, when I see those patients in my clinic. It can lower triglycerides and lower homocysteine, which are, are both important for metabolic health. And it can improve heart health, or at least studies are showing that it, that it looks like it can. Now, most of the studies on creatine are small. Um, there are many ongoing, and it's just really cool because it's looking like this is a molecule that, that tends to be quite safe and may be helpful for a number of different functions. So something something to think about supplementing. Now, there is definitely a range of benefit that people get from creatine. I think that's probably due to a few different factors. Number one, some people seem to have lower creatine content in their muscles and brain than other people. And it may be that those people with lower creatine contents may benefit more from supplementation. But we all, of course, are these complex machines with with uh, with conserved but also somewhat unique uh, biochemistry and so some people always just just do better with certain supplements and certain medications you know un unfortunately uh, right now we're not always so good at predicting that and, and sometimes you just have to have to try and see and I think with the safety record of creatine if you're looking to improve any one of those things skeletal muscle bone health cognition um, recovery from TBI neurodegenerative disorders improving triglycerides or homocysteine and improving heart health, creatine may be something you really, uh, really might want to think about. Okay, I just want to restate um, what I said earlier about muscle mass as we age. For most people, after age 30, they start to lose lean mass every year, and usually most of this is loss of muscle tissue. And it's estimated that for every decade after age 30, 
people lose between 3 and 8% of their muscle mass. Now, you can do some pretty simple math and see that by your 7th, 8th, and ninth decade of life, you have lost a ton of muscle. And debility, or people being unable to move, walk, do the things physically that they want to do, is a huge problem. And so preserving that muscle mass is a big deal. And that's why one of the main reasons creatine could be helpful or something to think about. Another hugely growing problem is dementia and problems with cognition. Um, We have over 6 million people in the United States with Alzheimer's dementia right now. There's a number of other conditions. And if, if a supplement that was relatively safe could lower the incidence of that or improve cognitive function in individuals who already have that disease. That's something really cool and something I hope um, people continue to look into uh, aggressively. All right, let's talk a little bit about side effects of creatine use. I think the most common thing that seems to be a real side effect is that in some individuals it can cause some gastrointestinal upset and diarrhea. This tends to happen at high doses, particularly people that try to load creatine, meaning they take a much higher daily dose of creatine for several days to even a few weeks to try and build up the amount of creatine in their system. So if you don't do that loading, the chances of having GI upset or diarrhea go go way down. But typically we only see this in people that are taking more than 15 grams per day. What's up, Full Scope listeners? If you are enjoying this content, if this content is bringing you value, please share it with your friends, loved ones, and everyone else. Post it online, on social media. Let your friends know. Have them subscribe. Put the word out there. That's all we really ask. And at the very least, give us a review and rate the podcast. Thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. Another thing that commonly gets mentioned with creatine supplementation is kidney damage. And I have to say, after reading a lot of different papers and studies, I think this is more of an artifact than an actual side effect. So what you need to understand about creatine and kidney function is namely the way that we measure kidney function. We use a measurement called glomerular filtration rate. Remember that the kidneys are made up of these individual units called nephrons. We have about a million nephrons in each kidney, and each one has a glomeruli that filters blood out of our bloodstream. We can't measure this filtration directly, but we use biomarkers to try to get an approximation of glomerular filtration rate. And the most popular one is probably creatinine. And it's a really good one because it gets filtered and then doesn't really get reabsorbed well at all. But creatinine is not a perfect marker. And remember, and now creatinine is a surrogate marker, meaning that it doesn't actually measure GFR directly, it just gives us an indication of what GFR may be. And that is because creatine is excluded, is excreted almost exclusively by the kidneys and it doesn't get reabsorbed. So basically we can measure the amount of creatine in the blood and we can see 
what the kidney function might be just based on that filtration rate. Now this is a really good marker. I use it all the time in my clinical practice, but it's prone to error, particularly in the setting of creatinine or creatine use. The first thing to remember is that creatinine is a breakdown product of muscle. And people with bigger muscles are going to have higher creatinine at baseline. And so just being um, more muscular is going to, to show up as an artifact that your kidney function may be worse than it actually is. There's also some medicines, some other supplements that can, can affect creatine as well. And the most important is probably creatine. Creatine gets non-enzymatically converted into creatinine. And now this is confusing because these names are really similar. But creatine gets non-enzymatically converted into creatinine via this non-enzymatic reaction where basically creatine loses a water molecule and it forms a cyclic ring um, that is basically creatinine and then that actually gets excreted. So you can see right away that if you're supplementing creatine which actually then goes on to form creatinine which is the molecule that we use to to estimate glomerular filtration rate in the kidneys that this is going to be prone to error. And so if you are going to measure kidney function um, in someone who is taking creatine, you've got to be a little bit careful. And certainly if that kidney function looks off or it looks like there's a problem, you're going to want to use another marker of glomerular filtration rate. You know, there are other biomarkers. Um, one common one is cystatin C that can be used as another way to look at renal function, and that can be really helpful in the setting of, of creatine. Now, I didn't see this side effect mentioned too much in, in the literature, but personally, in the people I've talked to have a very common side effect, and that is muscle cramping. When you start creatine, you tend to get a lot of muscle cramping, sometimes really bad ones like Charlie horse-like cramps. I think, again, it's really important to stay very hydrated. It's also important to gradually increase your your lifting loads and your workload so that you're not just jumping into a big hard workout all of a sudden or you will almost certainly get cramps. I think pickle juice, adequate salt intake, adequate water intake are, are three things that can really help mitigate cramps. And you do have to be careful. Sometimes I've, I've known people and, and personally had to back off a little bit on creatine supplementation because I've been getting too many cramps. And this is also something to be careful about if you're a runner. Uh, runners can experience uh, more cramps as a result of repeated use. And so creatine can sometimes um, cause a lot of cramping. So do be careful about that. And be careful about injuries, too, in that setting. You know, creatine increases our ability to lift weights by about 10 to 15% on average. And if you're pulling more weights or pushing more weights, you're putting a lot more tension on your muscles, bones, ligaments, tendons. And this is something you want to work up to really gradually. You can certainly get yourself injured if all of a sudden your muscles can handle more weight, but your bones, tendons, and ligaments haven't had time to remodel to accommodate that weight. So do be careful about all of a sudden jumping into to very heavy weights or heavier weights than you're used to in the setting of creatine supplementation. The final side effect that I want to mention again is weight gain. Creatine makes us hold on to more water 
and that puts weight on our muscles. It's actually good lean tissue that you're putting on, but that's something to keep in mind. A lot of people are very conscious of their weight, and so do keep in mind that creatine can raise, and in fact is kind of designed to raise people's weights. I have seen a lot of other side effects. Uh, uh, I have seen a lot of literature online about avoiding renal toxic medications like NSAIDs and, and diuretics in the setting of creatine use. And I've got to be honest with you, I have seen very little evidence to back up most of the claims about these side effects. I did find one uh, case study on, on an athlete that was taking creatinine that got, or creatine that got rhabdo, um, rhabdomyelinolysis, or rhabdomyolysis, hard to say even for a doctor. And that's basically this this breakdown damage of muscle that is clinically very significant and can hurt the kidneys. Now, I take that with a huge grain of salt because in athletes that are working really hard, you're going to see a lot of rhabdo anyway. Um, I do have a feeling that creatine definitely could raise the risk of something like rhabdo, just because if you can do more sets and push it harder when you're lifting, you're going to have more muscle breakdown, and that could push you um, more towards the the um, more towards rhabdo essentially, and rhabdo is short for um, rhabdomyolysis. But I think the way to to prevent that is one, you know, start exercising at a graded pace, meaning slowly move up day by day, week by week by week, instead of jumping in really fast. And number two, just staying really hydrated. Creatine has now over 30 years of clinical use. There are a lot of people who have been taking this for decades. Creatine monohydrate in particular has a really good safety track record. And for that reason, I do use creatine monohydrate over other other creatine forms. Uh, I think it's just the most the safest and, and most studied. And again, I think that a lot of the side effects are are mostly theoretical and I'm really not seeing evidence of those bad things happening in the literature and certainly not in my clinical practice. Okay, the final thing I want to talk about is how to actually use or supplement creatine. Uh, I think it's really, uh, really simple. So what I recommend doing for most of my patients is just starting to take between 5 and 10 grams of creatine every day. And depending on your weight, you may want to be on the higher end of that spectrum or the lower end of your spectrum. So if you weigh more, closer to 10. If you weigh less, um, closer to 5. But honestly, 5 is is a pretty good benchmark for most all people. And over time, your levels of creatine in your muscle will increase. In fact, in studies, people's creatine increases with supplementation in their muscles between 10 and 40%. And in the brain, in most studies, between 3 and 10%. So you actually are packing more creatine into these tissues that actually matter. When you take creatine, like I said, stay well hydrated. I have seen that taking creatine with carbohydrates and sugar can improve the absorption. I usually take mine um, before bed, so I don't actually do that, but but that's a good way to, to get more absorption, at least in a lot of studies. And I do recommend that people take time off of any supplement uh, periodically. I think taking like two weeks off every six months is kind of a good benchmark to use just to let your body wash out, um, kind of re-energize those, those pathways that are responsible for synthesizing creatine. Um, there's no evidence backing that, but I just think that's a good call to, to let things wash out and let your body re-equilibrate before starting the supplement up again. 
as I said earlier, some people will load creatine, so they might take 20 grams a day for a week or two in order to get their stores up really fast and then move down to a lower dose like 5 grams a day. That is okay. It appears to be safe. I just don't know that it's necessary unless you're really, um, I don't know, maybe getting ready for a competition and, and really want to have uh, maximal stores of creatine. But for most people, just taking that 5 to 10 grams a day I think is the, the best way to do it. Alright, so that's creatine. What a cool molecule. Um, as a kind of a quick recap, creatine is this small organic nitrogenous molecule. It's present throughout the body, but mostly in muscle and some in brain tissue. It combines with phosphate to form phosphocreatine, which can then be used to recharge or re-energize ATP. It's really important for skeletal muscle and, and non-skeletal muscle function and brain function. We have actually I would say very good evidence showing that when you supplement creatine it improves skeletal muscle mass and strength and we've got a growing body of evidence showing that it may improve things like memory, uh, may improve recovery from concussion, traumatic brain injury, may improve neurodegenerative disorders and muscular dystrophies, and may have other benefits like heart health. Do be careful about the muscle cramping and injuries though. That is by far what I've noticed as the most common side effect in myself and everybody I've talked to that uses creatine. So thanks for listening everybody. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to the Full Scope Podcast and investing in your health. I'm Dr. Bill Randenberg. If you're enjoying the content, please rate, review, and share this content with all of your friends online and all your social media platforms. Please understand that this podcast is not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure your specific medical condition. This podcast does not create any type of doctor-patient relationship between myself, Dr. Brandenburg, and you, the listener. If you do need help with your life, with your health, with anything regarding your longevity or performance, please check out wondermedicine.com. Our longevity and performance program is the best in the world and is ready to help you right now, today, become the best possible individual you can be. Thanks. Bye-bye.